Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Game Store Profits. This is the show where geeks talk about God. My name's Luke Navarro. And my name is Mike Perna. And this is, Mike, for you and I, the last episode of 2012. For everyone listening, it is the first episode of 2013. We have made it through the Mayan apocalypse. We I, I want a through... t-shirt. I want a t-shirt that says I survived the Mayan apocalypse. I know they exist, and I know there's probably guys on the streets of New York selling the t-shirts like crazy. <laughs> I want one. But, but we made it through... Uh, we made it through a year where we, we got things like Doomsday Preppers and uh, all of this fun apocalyptic rigmarole. We, we got the, we had we got the rapture that wasn't and then the rapture that wasn't again. Yes, well, those things happen, you know? I mean, there's definitely more raptures that wasn't than the raptures that were. This is true. Uh, so we had Christmas. Uh, we've had a, a Hobbit film this year. Oh, it's uh, so beautiful. So lots to talk about, lots to talk about uh, on this episode. Um, you know, it's the end of the year. Right now, as we're recording, it's that week between Christmas and New Year's, which means in my world, I'm doing nothing. I am just like literally bumming around the house in my uh, new slippers that I got for Christmas and, uh, you know, kind of getting to some of those fun random projects uh, that I do every year at the end of the year uh, during this week. One of them is uh, our family genealogy. I am the keeper of the genealogy. And uh, so I go in and I update any, anything that uh, I can find or anything that needs updating. Am I the only one uh, that when you say I am the keeper of the family ge- genealogy expects some giant tome in a library full of books and you walk out in like flowing robes and says, and yes, and yay, so-and-so begat such-and-such? <laughs> yes, unfortunately we don't do books anymore. We do computers. Uh, but I can tell you who begat who all the way back until about, like, um, well, depending on which line of the family you're following, right about, like, 10,000, or 1,000, right in there. Wow. Um, yeah, like, I mean, we, we, we go deep on some of the family lines. And then, of course, I have the family that uh, that comes from India, and uh, that that's particularly difficult to research. And, uh, of course, the family that also comes from Sweden. Um and the Swedish have this nasty habit of giving everybody the last name of their father plus son or daughter, and um, boy, that's hard to hard <laughs> hard to uh, uh, follow. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of what I'm doing right now. How, how was your Christmas time? How's your end of the year coming along? My Christmas time went went pretty well. Uh, it's kind of hard because I've long since left the. Halcyon days when I got vacation between Christmas and New Year's, and so a lot of my time has been spent working because the day after Christmas they kind of expected me to show up at work like normal. Uh, it's just cold. Yeah, it was it was less than fun, but yeah, I mean it's it's been very good. I have been working like crazy on this writing project I'm doing for. Uh, for our friend Kevin, hoping hoping to get that cranked out in the very near future. Uh, he graciously extended me an extension so that I can actually create a good book instead of something that's just a load of garbage. Such is the nature of, uh, you know, writers. <laughs> uh, apparently, apparently I, I went before him, like, pleading and begging 
And he just kind of looked at me and goes, dude, I totally get that. <laughs> so, I, you know, I'm trying not to abuse his goodwill. But at the same point, I'm kind of like, man, that is so cool. I got for a little bit more freedom now. Because <laughs> I don't know about you, Luke, but when, when I have a deadline sitting over my head, it both pushes me to go forward and make awesome. And also at the same time, is like, crap, that's like right now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a deadline guy. I don't do anything without deadlines. I'm trying to change that by building in like incremental time in every single day for all of these things that I want to be doing. Uh, you know, and of course it's New Year's, so we can get to the New Year's resolution conversation if we want to do that. But um, yeah, you know, I've been—I was a student for so long. Right. When they tell you this needs to be done at this time, you just have to. I mean, deadlines are how you shape your life. and But the thing is, is that you do eventually, well, maybe not everybody, but in my case, uh, you do get to a point where you sort of stop having those immediate deadlines. And then you're like, well, how do I structure my life? And, and how do I make sure that I am actually accomplishing things, even though I don't have a literally day-to-day -day deadline, or in your case, when you're writing the book, maybe a six-month deadline or whatever it happens to be. Yeah, it it definitely is one of those. I don't know. The, the, you you find yourself planning and looking ahead. Like, thankfully for me, with the stuff that I do for the church, planning stuff ahead of time and making sure that it gets accomplished on a fairly set schedule is something that's still part of my existence. So it's kind of easy for me to continue to 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 settle into that kind of mindset. But I definitely. It's definitely something that I've had to maintain in my existence, but the the hard the hard thing about this is is that writing, I've discovered that you go into a writing project thinking this is how it's going to go. It's going to go from point A to point B to point C, but you start out at point A, then realize that by the time you get to point B, you really don't like where you started at point A, so you got to go back. And then point B goes to point Q, and you wonder how the heck you got there. So then you have to go back and. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting time, kind of cramming that in between the family stuff and the uh, the generic having to go back to work day to day drudgery. But well, uh, my my end things were a little bit more Norman Rockwell. Uh, you know, we've got the grandparents here, the giant pile of presents under the Christmas tree, the the super excited kids who are waking up early on. Christmas morning and the super excited parents who actually have a hard time sleeping on Christmas night and and uh, you know everything is very um, familial home and hearth and good like that. Um, well, that's, did get that's kind of awesome. I mean, I will definitely say that I had no problem whatsoever uh, trying to get to sleep that night because <laughs> it, it we basically spend our time hopping from one thing to the other we actually had well, to... I, yeah i remember that time man i really do but at this point you know with our own family and, and all of that we're we are kind of the place where people hop to now and uh, it is uh, it's definitely a different thing and you get to appreciate things like christmas and and both the christian side and the secular side uh in a whole new way in a way that i never i didn't before uh and it's really kind of fun yeah, no, it was great to... We actually hosted her family on Christmas Day. 
uh, which was really kind of cool because it just gave us a, a moment to have our, our morning. You know, we really were kind of adamant about that. We didn't want to rush off somewhere else on our first Christmas as a couple. Like, a lot of people looked at us weird when we said we wanted to host the first time. But it really let us establish the timeline. We wanted to uh, have our Christmas morning. We wanted to spend time together. We wanted to get everything the way we wanted it and then have that, invite them into the home, which was really kind of awesome. And even though I had to spend a lot of the morning uh, trying to, I was trying to relax and trying to just, you know, settle myself as every once in a while I'd get another order from the wife saying this needs to be cleaned or this needs to be moved or can you get the leaf for the, the dining room table and all that fun stuff. Right. Well, did you get yourself any good geeky gifts this year? Dude, I I, I made a list, and so everything I got was geeky. It's oh, really okay. kind of awesome. I'm All right, cer- so what are some of the best geeky things that you got this year? Well, I am I am now swimming in new games, like new uh, tabletop games. Nice. I, uh... I got a couple different party games. I got, uh, I really filled in some classics, some stuff that had, I wish had been part of my collection, but just hasn't, you know, because board games can be expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I filled in some, some of those holes of games that, you know, we kind of suggest, or anybody who's involved with, with board gaming on any level will say, uh, when, when asked... What game do you turn to to get people who don't game into gaming? I had one. To, to which, ride. I had one, which was Settlers of Catan. Right. But now I own uh, Ticket to Ride. Right. And now right. I own Carcassonne as well. Okay. Which are two of the like go-to kind of games as Carcassonne far as... isn't that bad. Ticket to Ride is expensive. Yeah, it is. it's come down and a even lot. Even if you buy the like Target version of the game, it's still expensive. Well, that, that like I said, that's the thing. I, trust me, dude. There's there are board games out there that I really want. There's one that started out as a Kickstarter, but uh, it's it's now gone into act to active production called uh, Mice and Mystics. That one makes Ticket to Ride look cheap. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> um. But yeah, no, there's I there's definitely a list of games that I'm like, I want you, but there's no way I can afford you. <laughs> and thank you, Christmas. Yes. Yeah. No, there's there's some games out there, because tabletop games, I mean, even your basic board games have gone from simple things like, uh, oh, let's let's get your little you know, Monopoly type things, like let's get our little guy and move across a board that's pretty plain and boring, to... Epic landscapes involving, like, a, a small army of little plastic figures, and that all is really awesome, but makes a game kind of expensive. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely does. But, yeah, so I'm definitely enjoying a whole lot of awesome. I also got, uh, I got a game that I've already had to relegate to the fact that I can only play it when Susan's not around. Um... It's a game based on the works of H.P. Lovecraft. The game is called. Jeez. Oh, the game is called <laughs> Elder Signs, and it, that's yeah. probably too. That's too out there for me. Uh, I, I, you know, it Lovecraftian horror is pretty much a guilty pleasure of mine. 
Um, it's, it's that whole Victorian steampunk thing. Exactly. Huh? It's it's yeah. my era. It's my aesthetic. It's the whole idea of like like jump out and scare you horror has has really nothing to do to me. I'm like, eh, whatever. That's just meh. But when you get stuff that like make, questions your own sanity, and when you get you get lines like you, you stare into the abyss and the abyss stares back. I mean, that's just awesome. The idea of questioning what's unknown simply due to the fact that it's unknown. These these things, I, they make me smile. I can't help it. Nice. Twisted, but nice. That's pretty much the, the story of my existence. There you go. But yeah, that, that has been, you know, the fun times of Christmas rolled up into constantly checking my emails to see... Uh, you know, I mentioned to you that there's a, a church out in California right. that actually contacted me about a job. Uh, I also told him about this podcast, so if you guys are listening, I'm pretty awesome, and I think you should hire me. Uh, I concur. <laughs> you just want me out in, on the West Coast. Hey, that'd be nice. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so there's it's, there's a whole lot going on in the Perna household, which means that there's a whole lot of crazy, which means an awful lot of just me looking at, at Susan and being like, we're going to get through this, honey. It's going to be okay. <laughs> I think, well, that's a good thing, though. I'd like to think so. I'd like I'd like to think yeah. that getting through things. And, and, you know, I've often said that, you know, people try and figure things out. Like, we're entering a new year. And this, you know, in the not too distant future, I'll be experiencing one year of being with my wife. And, you know, that's the kind of time that you kind of look back and evaluate. This is what happened well. This is what didn't go so well. And how can we make sure that doesn't go poorly again? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it's a natural time to reflect. Um, You know, and I think that for a lot of people, people make resolutions. I I typically don't. Uh, But it's a time to kind of plan forward and, and reflect back. Um, you know, but I, I think we've, uh, we had a lot of cool things happen this year. Now I'm trying to remember, we started this show actually before last year, right? Yes. We celebrated one year as of middle of, of this past year. Okay. So we're, we're heading into, into two years. We are. Uh, how, how scary is that? But, uh, you know, I think that I look back on the year and think about, we had Avengers, yeah, we did. The Hobbit. Yeah, we did. Uh, I've had a ton of fun playing XCOM. Uh, we have an announcement that we've got another D and D coming, though. Let's be honest; we all knew that there's always another D and D coming. Uh, <laughs> I'm I, I, I not to get off topic. I am excited for this new D and D. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm still curious as to how it actually works out in real play testing, but um, yeah, I'm excited for the new D and D because the old one kind of got weird on me. Yeah, and, uh, you know, just, uh, I, I think a whole lot of things, we, like you mentioned earlier, we kind of had the Kickstarter thing happening this year. Oh, Kickstarter got huge. I don't I don't know if, I can't remember exactly when Kickstarter started, for lack of a better oh, well, term. It's, it's been around for more than this year, but this was the year where it was like, okay, now there are lots and lots of products and, and crazy stuff being well, made. Well, this is also when we started seeing the big companies do, like Double Fine and right. a bunch of other folks say, huh, this Kickstarter thing is a way to actually put out the thing that we wanted to do, but we couldn't get funding for. Well, and it's the year that when it went from, like, 
hey, give me $10,000 for this project to here's $120 million, right. you know, or however much it's been. A lot. Uh, big, big numbers. And uh, it, it kind of really exploded. And, the uh, you know, we've had a lot of, of that kind of indie thing this year. I think Steam has gotten bigger this year. I think, um, you know, in, in a lot of ways, just PC gaming has gotten bigger this year. Uh, not too many big books this year uh, on that end. But, uh, you know, overall a decent geeky year, I think. Yeah, no, it, there's definitely been some interesting stuff that has come about, some interesting storylines, some interesting uh, stuff that's kind of been floating around. Uh, but at the same point, kind of, I don't know, kind of lackluster as far as a... Uh, we haven't seen any new great icons, in my opinion. I mean, granted, you're never going to understand what an icon is until years have gone by and you realize that everyone's still talking about this thing. But I, it, as far as my radars that I've kind of noticed, I I haven't really noticed anything super huge, except for maybe The Hobbit, which is obvious. I mean, that's an icon that's right. built off of an icon. So, well, I mean, let me can I give you let me give you an example of just kind of something I've experienced in the last like three days. Okay. All right. So for Christmas, I got two games. I got Assassin's Creed. Okay. Let me be more specific. On Christmas, I got Assassin's Creed Three. Okay. I also got gift cards, which that led I used you to buy other things to purchase Far Cry Three. I've heard good okay. things. Now. Both are threes. Yep. So so they have that in common, right? Uh, for those who don't know, I can't imagine you wouldn't, but uh, Assassin's Creed 3 takes place in Boston. It's an American Revolution, that kind of vibe. So I get into the game, and I've played probably like three hours. I, I'm at that point where you're like, okay, I'm deciding now, am I going to play this game or not? You know what I mean? It's like I've gotten through enough of it that I kind of get the vibe of the game. The the, eva- honest, the evaluation stage of I've right. now gotten enough that I can taste it. Do I really want to spend X number of hours continuing to be in this? And so, okay, and as I'm playing this game, the mechanics are all very familiar. They're very Assassin's Creed. We've had like, what, four or five of these games now. Um, the storyline is different. Obviously, you're, you're a British guy, and uh, there's the first portion of the game you play as one character, second portion of the game you play as another character. Uh, and then, of course, that's all set in the crazy Assassin's Creed meta story of the ancient race who left behind little bits and pieces of things for us to find. It, it seems so also ran to me that I'm just like, uh, this is Assassin's Creed and that's great and all, but I don't feel driven to play this game. Mm. I don't feel like this is amazing. So, I put that aside. I put in Far Cry 3. Within two minutes, I'm like, I love this game. I must play it and never stop. Uh, Because it's such a dramatic uh, step away from what you would expect in a video game story. And the the mechanics are all very standard, right? Uh, If you take a first-person shooter and, like, Red Dead Redemption, and smush them together, that's the mechanics of this game. 
Huh. Right? An open world, you go off, you do missions to hunt, you do missions to... There's there's actually a kind of a cool little crafting mechanic uh, that Red Dead didn't have, I don't think. I don't remember. But, like, so when you skin the animals, you don't just sell it, you use the skin for things, that kind of stuff. You can do uh, wanted poster kind of missions. You can uh, explore for relics and lost treasures and that kind of thing. Uh, you harvest plants. So very Red Dead, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but with a first-person shooter interface. So, you know, Red Dead had that kind of third-person view with the, you know, you you pull the left trigger to, to target and right fire. This is an actual first-person shooter. But the storyline is you're a group of basically rich white kids uh, who are partying and you're having like the time of your life on this Caribbean-ish island. And the story kind of opens up and you kind of get, you see your characters, you know, bungee jumping and jet skiing and doing the kind of things you do on a Caribbean island. And then everything goes bad. You end up on the wrong island, and this is the this is like Lost Island. This is like the island of Doctor Moreau. This is like uh, uh, Heart of Darkness land, right? right? And you're with your brother. You're scared out of your mind. Your brother uh, is an army. He's in the army, right? And so you're following your brother as he breaks you guys out of this prison that you're stuck in, and it's the most like you're this scared kid, right? And you're on the the jungle island of doom. <laughs> and, Aren't you always? Uh, and uh, no, you're not. You know, <laughs> normally you're not on a jungle island of doom. Normally you're, you know, super soldier guy. And this guy is completely vulnerable. He's scared out of his mind. The first time he has to kill, you know, it freaks him out. He he can't kill a pig. You know, I mean, it's just it's awesome. It's so much more somebody decided we are going to go there. Let's go there instead of being here where we always are. Let's go there and I'm glad for it, you know. I mean the mechanics are the mechanics. It's all the same. It's great, but the story is so much better. I I recently experienced a game like that. Uh it's a game that's been around for a while. It's not one that uh is any kind of new revelation. It's and there's lots of articles you can read. Uh, about it, there's, I mean, I've, I've cited, part of the reason why I got the game was, is because I started reading a lot about it in some of the things that I check when it comes to gaming, you know, the guys at Game Church did an article on it, uh, the guys at Extra Credits, which is a, a thing on YouTube, which I, I've posted a bunch of things on the Facebook page, uh, they did a two-part thing on it, uh, it's a game called Spec Ops The Line. Uh Uh-huh. And Spec Ops The Line, in everything I, I, I saw, everything that I read, was saying the same thing. This game is engaging to, to all get out, but we can't necessarily say that it's super fun. Like, that you will love this game, but you can't say that you're necessarily having fun playing it. And that intrigued me, because normally that's what everybody says. This game is a blast... You know, maybe the story's awful, but you'll have a ton of fun playing it. These guys basically got together and say, we are entering a world of Battlefield 3, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, Holy Crap Edition. Like, <laughs> like we're never going to compete with them. 
you know, apparently there have been a lot of Spec Ops games, but the last one was made like a decade ago. So they, they're like, we're not in the game anymore. We don't have the ability to put, to just throw money at this like the big studios do. We're going to make a good game. And the mechanics are 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 kind of a, a fallback to what, what first-person shooters used to be. Um, but really, what you find yourself doing is, is it really is an exploration of things like PTSD and the horrors of war. It's based off of the heart of darkness by Joseph Conrad. And at some point the game stops being like, I'm the superhero soldier who's going to go into the city and, and, and destroy the enemies. And more of a thing about why do we play games like this? At one point, there's a, a general shift in just the loading, even the loading screens. The loading screen starts saying things like, you have this epic picture on the loading screen, and it just says, this is all your fault. And Crazy. and I don't want to I don't want to get into too much because this is spoiler rich territory, but the decisions like a lot of games will give you a moral choice of obvious good versus obvious evil. This game gives you moral choices like. If we don't do this, hundreds of people will die. If we do this, hundreds of other people will die. Like, there's no. It, it brings about the whole idea of there is no good decision in war. Right. It brings about the fact that sometimes you have to make the hard call to get out of a bad situation. Do you allow a lesser evil to destroy a bigger evil? And and all these different. It, it, it explores all these different things which, which were uh, just such a big deal even recently as far as the, the ethics of war go. Uh, it takes place in this idea of of uh, Dubai being completely wiped out by these epic sandstorms. And even, even in simple things, like one thing that a couple people have pointed out is the fact that you're always descending. Like, there, like, like every aspect of this game is is you going more and more into your character's just messed up traumatic experience that he's he's going through. So when when this game first came out, I heard about it and I heard I heard these things and I go, you know what? I can't spend like sixty dollars on this game, but I'm really curious about it. Uh, but then, thanks to the good people at Steam and their fall and winter sales, I got it for like fifteen dollars. And I will say that if you can get your hands on this game and you don't mind really in kind of soul-searching and investigating why first-person shooters are such a big deal to us, like why we care, like at one at one point the, the bad guy kind of just calls you on the fact that uh, he... It, 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 I uh, Do I say this? Um, he, looks, he looks at you and he's almost like he's looking through the camera at the player and he says... You're doing this because you wanted to be something that you're not. You wanted to be a hero. And you're not. <laughs> mm. And I'm just like, ah! <laughs> because, you know, it, it kind of goes against that whole I want to carry the big gun and kill all the bad guys kind of mentality. It stands in stark contrast to that and realizing, you know, how downright crazy it can be that we have this power trip when we play these first-person shooters and we 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 just gun down bad guys i'm just like oh this this game is not fun it makes me feel like a terrible person but 
Dang it, this is this is good. <laughs> nice. Before Christmas, before I got all these shiny new games, I was uh I was playing Walking Dead. I've heard great things. Is, is it actually based off of the comics slash TV show, or is it just... Uh, it's not the story of the comics, but it's the same world. Okay. But it's... Uh, you know, if if you watch the TV show, you read the comics, that's telling the same story. But this is a, a completely different set of characters, completely different story. And you're playing through this game, and you mentioned, like... Uh, essentially what you're talking about is like Paragon and Renegade, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, obvious good decision, obvious bad decision. I don't know what decisions to make in this game. I haven't a clue. And it's... it's <laughs> You know, you play as a, a released... A, a convict who who gets out because the zombie apocalypse happens while he's being transported. Okay. Um... And you know he, you decide whether or not to lie about your. But you know, is you you might say, well, lying is bad. Well, maybe not if you're in a tiny room with a bunch of people who are surrounded by zombies and freaking out. Right. Like, maybe you don't want to mention that you're a murderer, <laughs> or maybe you do. Maybe that's a benefit. I don't know. And so, there's all of these decisions: who lives, who dies. Do you get the guy's medicine or do you run? Do you? I mean, it's much more. Uh, it sounds so stupid to say true to life, but <laughs> you know it's, we've experienced so many zombie apocalypses before. Uh, but it is. It's the kind of thing where it's not a storybook answer. Well, that's I. You know, I really you know again kind of to hop off what you're saying with the whole true-to-life thing and zombies. They recently came out with this game. It's not really a game unto itself. It's a mod of another game. But it's called DayZ. Right. And DayZ kind of ex- it kind of explores that whole idea of when the zombie apocalypse happens, not all of humanity will want to you know, bound be bound together towards the the great and glorious victory. There's going to be some jerks who would say, I need to survive. You have band-aids. I'm going to shoot you in the forehead and take your band-aids. Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> that's going to happen. As, I, as I've said this entire year, some people prep and some people kill preppers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean... I think we did actually whole... say that on an episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh... uh uh, the, uh, a prepper shop has opened by my parents' house. Next time I visit them, I cannot wait to see this shop. <laughs> wait, wait. Uh, let me just backtrack a sec. A prepper shop? Yeah, like it's they, a it's like a bunkers are us. Like <laughs> no, no. They I, well, I don't know. They might sell bunkers, but they sell. I forget. I'm trying to remember how they. I just saw it driving by, but it it, it was very obvious that it was like we sell products for the end of the world nice <laughs> like you know water reclamation kits and food in cans and that kind of thing uh it's a niche market and, but it's one that's that's exploding quite literally yeah well and like i said you might need food in cans or you might need the ability to sh- shoot and cook your neighbor 
<laughs> you know, uh, these these are skill sets. Everybody's got to decide which one they have. If Fallout has taught me anything, I am both an excellent cook and an excellent shot. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Good to know. I'm going to make my way towards your place, but I'm going to make sure I'm waving a white flag when it happens. Yeah, really. What's for dinner? Never mind. <laughs> Where's Steve? We don't ask. We don't ask. So, you know, uh, that's uh, this is a good conversation to have for the last episode of the year. We, we need to approach the apocalypse. Uh, so as you look forward into next year, are there things that you're hopeful for? Well, there's always things that I'm hopeful for. There's things that... Um, there's, there's the generic hope and there's also the specific hope. The generic hope is, is that I really just look forward to spending another year, like drawing closer to my wife and, uh, continuing to just do awesome. I, I look back on, you know, what's going on this year and, uh, you know, last week I had kind of a, a crisis, you know, personally, just because nothing bad happened. It was just that, you know, I was just feeling just kind of worn out and defeated. Cause you know, you get those times when you, you press yourself too hard and, uh, you, you look and things that didn't go exactly how you wanted it to. So I had that, that moment. But one thing that, that God's really been teaching me over the past year is that in times like that, when things aren't going the way you expect them to, or aren't going the way you wanted them to, you kind of look back on the fact that, that God has always had you and God has always lifted you up in the past. Uh, you know, God being a promise-keeping God. It's the kind of th- phrase that we throw around a lot. But it's really true. And I look back on all the things that God has allowed me to do, all the ways that he has allowed me to impact the lives of other people, especially, you know, kids and people through this show. I mean, I get a lot of messages on Facebook and emails and stuff about people who are listening to what we're doing and uh, telling other people about it. And the fact that I got to participate in that, the fact that while God being, you know, God had no need for me to be involved in this, but has kind of just allowed me to be a part of the work that he's doing, it's really kind of awesome. So I, I, you know, I hope to have that in the future. And there are specific hopes, like I really do hope to get a church job sometime in the next year, mostly because, you know, cube life is is not what I've been designed for, but, uh, you know, I look forward to whether it is this, this gig in California or if it's another thing somewhere out there that God has set for me that I don't know about, you know, I really do hope that that, that comes about. I, uh, I hope that the, the work I'm doing on this book for Kevin works well, that, that he likes what I do and that the, the work goes out and kids kind of like it and adults kind of dig it and you know I get to to see people impact like that like Kevin got uh recently had a a mom who sent him an email about her son who didn't read ever or wasn't really into reading at all picked up Kevin's book and now is like this avid reader who wants to just find more books and everything like that like you know I hope to see some something like that happen through the work that I'm doing but yeah, I I'm also one who doesn't really do the whole New Year's resolution because I've often discovered that when you do that whole epic moment of I'm going to see this happen in the new year, it never does. It it rarely does. I mean, we were talking about the fact that in a way this show kind of is at the tail end of a string for you of I'm going to do this this year. 
Yeah, the show actually uh, did come about because of a New Year's resolution. Uh, people maybe don't know that. Um, what, maybe 2000... Oh, I don't know, a long time ago. Uh, I I was just... It was the end of the year, and I, I got this crazy idea in my head. You know, I should read more. How much should I read? Well, I'll read 52 books. That makes sense. And then I thought, you know... I could watch 52 movies. Oh, you know, I should try to play 52 games. And so I ended up with a crazy project. We end, we called 52 Weeks a Geek. 52 books, movies, and games in one year. Try to figure out what life would be like if you spent every spare moment of your life in stories. And uh, because of that, uh, Guys Can Read came about. And because of Guys Can Read, Game Store Profits came about. And so here we are. Um, but you know what? Honestly, that's probably the only New Year's resolution I've ever made. That's at, that you've ever made total, or that you've made and actually resulted in something. I think it's probably the only one I've ever made. Wow! If you're, like specific, like that. You're batting a thousand. Well, you know, I mean, I definitely think that you come to this time of the year and you think about your life and you think about, well, what would I like my next year to look like? But that's not. I don't think that's a resolution. Right? Right? I think of resolutions right. as like. Like you said, that very specific, like, I'm going to run a 10K once a month, you know, or whatever. Um, that That's a resolution. But to me, just kind of looking at your life and saying, well, okay, what do, I wa- what do I want to be more of this year? What do I want to be less of this year? What do I want to be this the same this year? Uh, I don't think of those as resolutions. I think of those as just an, a convenient time for reflection. Well, that was that's my big thing. Like, I... I'm one of the many people who looks at this new year and being like, just kind of stating to the to, to the vapors out there saying, this year I really want to you know focus on losing some weight and getting healthy, which is facilitated by the fact that my wife has also continuously said, I want to lose weight and get healthy. And so obviously we want to do that as a couple. But at the same point, that's not a new year's resolution. I'm not going to be like, this year I'm going to lose 20 pounds and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to make sure that I, I'm going to join a gym. And I, no, I, we're going to try and make some different life choices going forward based on what we know has happened in the past and figure things out. Like I don't think that needs to have that great epic moment of, of decision, as it were, and <laughs> sign on the dotted line to make sure this happens. Well, and even if you are going to add regular things to your life. Maybe you're deciding, I'm going to read the Bible more, or I'm going to exercise more, or I'm going to eat less, or I'm going to do whatever. And you maybe you decide, okay, I'm going to read a, you know, a chapter a day, or, you know, a chapter a week, or whatever it is that you decide. Um, you know, I still don't see those as resolutions. Uh, I, I, because a resolution is like, I'm going to do this giant project this year but to say I'm going to do this one thing at a time I think it's just a little bit smarter Uh, you know you kind of deal with what am I going to do this week what am I going to do today Uh, because who knows what's going to be coming a year from now you know you don't you you could decide you're going to run a 10k every month and you're going to you're going to train every day, and you could break your leg next week. Well, well that, you're not training anymore. That's been very obvious for Susan and I because we keep talking. We, we're in that 
middle zone of kind of being hopeful for this California thing and at the same point, you know, kind of wondering if it's going to happen. Because I've, sure. I've had lots of churches talk to me and I've gotten to this level with a lot of churches, but I'm not working for any of those churches. So mm. we're trying to be that... that <laughs> it's a tough process. That cautious optimism of, you know, things you know might go to the next level, they might not. And so we have to both make plans as if it doesn't happen and at the same time wonder, are these plans going to be rendered invalid because in another couple months I'm going to get the call saying move to Cali. Like, that's... <laughs> you know... You know that that happens. Like change right. is a constant, right? So for me, it's really more about trajectories than it is about goals. You know, for me, it's about okay. Well, what if do I want to change my trajectory just a little bit? Maybe I want to change it a lot. Um, you know, for me, the big story for the last little while, and I think even more this year, uh, you know, is the 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 spectrum between being a very driven um, pragmatic person and being a more relaxed uh, creative person for most of my life I've been very driven and and to be honest I'm kind of getting tired of that right (laughs) Um, I want to be more creative because I think I'm a better person when I'm that way you know I'm not some like crazy California San Francisco artist but at the same time, you know, when you go too far in one direction, it doesn't work. And, I, you know, it's funny. I think that, like, both my kids this year gave me gifts for Christmas that were creative-inducing gifts. I support and, you that know, completely. Right. And I think there's there's sort of wisdom in children, you know? It's like they can see when Dad does these things, he's happier. Let's give him these things. You know, uh, and and so for me, it's about changing that trajectory and saying, okay, I realize, God, I should be moving this way. <laughs> right. Help me to move this way. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, it's not about, okay, well, I'm going to do three different art projects every week. No, no, forget that. Just, God, let me move this way. And, uh, I, you know, that's that's definitely for me the way these changes happen. Well, yeah, that's also the way that, that long-lasting change happens. Right. Because if you make... Like, big things are great. I love big projects. I love making stuff happen and and seeing the it go from an idea that kind of popped into your head and into in this reality, this, this thing that's, you know, way bigger than yourself. But at the same point, you know, those projects end. And... If all it was was focusing on the one big project, on the one big thing, on on the one resolution that you made, it fizzles out. If you, at the same point, however, kind of make like the hundred little changes in your day that point you in that direction, then you can do you can deal with the you know your broken legs or moving across the country or or all that stuff and still maintain that because it's not about I'm going to do this thing. It's, I'm going to change the direction that my life is going in. You know, for me, so much happened as a young adult, right? Because maybe maybe I've never said this on the show before, but I was 17 when I came to Christ. Same here. 
you know, and so I, did, I was not raised in the church. For me, it was one of those very dramatic, powerful, literally life-changing experiences, right? And because of that, I made all this whole flurry of choices and began to pursue that life. And when you're in that kind of situation, when and for a lot of us, we experience that when we come to Christ or maybe when we have a, a renewal with Christ or... Uh, you know, or or who knows? Uh, maybe it's when you get married, or it's you have this very dramatic. You when you have your first kid, it, you have this very dramatic, very um, acute experience of life change, and so everything happens so quickly. Everything happens in such a rush um, that, in a lot of ways, it's very easy to change because you really don't have a choice. Things are, are so big and so fast that you just get carried along with the change. Uh, but I'm not at that point in life anymore. I'm at a point in life where, you know, having a kid who's six years old really isn't all that different than having a kid who's seven. Right. Uh, you know, and and though the older ones, I swear, she just gets older faster. It's <laughs> creepy. But... <laughs> Um, you know, it's life is kind of the same, and it's so much harder for me, at least, to make good changes in my life in this situation. Well, kind of, kind of flesh that out. What do you mean by that? Just that it's harder to make good decisions. Well, okay, so you know, when I don't have all of those pressures on me that says you have to change, you have to change, you have to change. When I have to make the the willful decision within myself to make those changes, it's much more difficult. Mm. Uh, and I don't have life. I have a very comfortable, nice, pleasant life. I don't have those life changer situations that are demanding me to change. And so now it really is about me and deciding. Okay, am I going to continue to to follow God, or am I just going to cruise control after God? Right. I think that that gets to the core of it as far as the Christian life versus the the resolution, uh, because there there are certain common resolutions that have become almost to a joking level. Uh, the, I'm I'm dancing around one with the whole I need to lose weight. Oh my right. goodness, how many times do we hear that from eight bazillion people every year? Um, spend less money. Spend less money. Another spend discussion more that my wife and I had. <laughs> Um, but the, the, the big thing that I always hear with, there, there are a Christian version of the resolution that I, I hear constantly. I need to read the Bible more. I need to spend more time in prayer. I, I really want to, to get into like journaling and stuff like that. I really want to, to be more active in ministry. And these actions, the reason why Luke and I both, I, I'm going to guess I'm going to speak for you as well, Luke is that we kind of stay away from the whole idea of a, a resolution. Is just the idea that if you're just doing them for the... It, they just become an action. There's no well, point. Right. There's no growth. There's no, you know, kind of making it your own. There's no kind of inner change that kind of grips you at that point. It's just, I want to do this thing. Because doing this thing will make me better. 
And there's no introspection. There's no why do I want to do this or how will this impact me. Um, I can say for a fact that you can read the Bible like a champ every day for the rest of your existence and not let it affect you. That can't, well, for sure. that can happen. So the sheer act of, I want to read my Bible every day, is a resolution. It, it doesn't necessarily make any impact on how we see God or how we interact with him. It's the idea of why are you coming to this text? Why do you think it's important? Yeah, it, it really is more a matter of orientation than it is action. It may be the exact same action, but your reasons for it are what determine whether it's a resolution or whether it's a life change. Right. You know, you might decide, well, I'm going to exercise twice a week. Well, I don't know whether that's because you legitimately decided, I want to feel better and I want to be more healthy. Or because you're just a stubborn dude who's like, I'm going to do this twice a week. Right. And if you are a stubborn dude who says, I'm going to do this twice a week, you might get results, but you won't get change. Wow, that's profound. <laughs> and eventually, the results will revert. Oh, yeah. If you don't make actual change, it, it, it yeah. I, I, I can cite, again, kind of go back to the typical... I can cite a chart that goes up and down and up and down as far as my, I'm going to lose weight, uh, everything's fine, I'm going to lose weight. Uh, <laughs> you know, my, my body's been so many up and downs in my freaking roller coaster. Right. It, I mean, that's just the nature of, of, that's because it's been a resolution. It's been an action. It Rather than, I'm going to make a change. But I think the big thing that's, uh, kind of the, the introspection that I'm, I'm looking at, and the, the reason I'm kind of harping on that is because you know talking with with my wife about this there are it you know we've started going from less from I really should do this because I really should and more into like Susan and I want to have uh, you know I want to start looking into having kids probably within the next year year and a half and we want to be able to be able to like chase those kids around and play with them and not get wore out we want to do things like have a long and happy life together. And, you know, we started, when it's, you start seeing the whole being healthy and doing stuff, and, and when you start putting it into that kind of perspective, it, it gives it more than just, I want to look good or I want to do generic awesome. It, it gives you that, that reason, that that thing to strive for. And a lot of times we do that, you know, we, we do that with God, too. Instead of trying to know God and to, to love him and to draw closer to him, we just tick off, go to church, do the Bible thing, do the do this, that, and the other thing, without wondering, why am I doing this? Do I, do I really understand what it means to, to hunger and thirst after God? And so all of this, like all things, brings us back to the Hobbit. Well, naturally. All roads lead to Hobbiton. They do. And you might decide that you're Frodo. And you have to do what you have to do. Now, Frodo has a pretty good reason. The world's going to end if he doesn't do it. But Frodo is compelled to travel to Mount Doom. He doesn't 
want to travel to Mount Doom. He has to do it. He is... He's just got to grin and bear it and go. It it must be done, and it, it has fallen upon his shoulders to do it. Right. And in the end, he is a broken, sad hobbit. There's a reason he gets invited to the Grey Havens, and it's not because right. he's a super happy, fun guy. Yeah, he's done. Or, you can be Bilbo, who is perfectly comfortable and happy at home, but who goes... I kind of want to go on an adventure. And the adventure comes along, and, and he doesn't want to do it because it's not sensible. doesn't make any... You know, it's not... It's not hobbitish. But there's something in him that says, if I just change my trajectory just a little bit, something amazing could happen. Kind of embrace that inner took. Yeah, and, uh, you know, of course we didn't see it in the movie, but he does come home uh, a, a pretty... Uh, happy Hobbit, and maybe profoundly changed, um, and with a little bit of uh, unfortunate baggage. But well, it's uh, it's the know. difference, and and that you know to kind of bring that back. Frodo comes back from his journey and is wiped and is useless as far he he can't be in this world anymore. So the elves invite him to go with them to the Grey Havens. Uh, there's nothing left for him because he's just he's just done. He has is has lived a you know he has had life sucked out from him and going to the Grey Havens is kind of the the reward for having sacrificed his existence. Bilbo comes back. Bilbo has a lot of happy years at the Shire between right. coming back after after his adventure with the dwarves to to the beginning of the Lord of the Rings. There's a long stretch of years between that. And I think that it has a lot to do with the what you're talking about, the whole idea of, of a an, an an adventure, an epic quest that was forced upon one because it's just it needs to happen versus a I'm going to do this just because I, I want to embrace this and have it become part of who I am. Yeah, I feel that so acutely at this point in my life. You know, for so long I pursued and it was in ministry. It's what I did. And, you know, I even justified it because, God, I'm doing this for you. Uh, right? We often justify behaviors because, God, we're doing it for God. When I just but, imagine God looking down and saying, I never asked you to do that. <laughs> but it all seemed like very good stuff. And it was all good, and God used it, and that's great. Uh, but I was getting to that point where I was starting to look more and more like Frodo and less and less like Bilbo. <laughs> yeah. Um... And so, yeah, you know, for me, okay, taking time and being creative and allowing myself the time, allow, getting over the guilt of saying, you know what, I'm going to go out to my workshop and just be there for a while. You know, for me, that's that's a huge, that's a, an act of faith. You know, to say, God, is it okay for me to do this? Yes, it is. You know, is it okay for me to make these changes? Is it... I mean, some of them are more obvious, but but maybe somebody's listening to this show thinking, man, I've had this thing on my heart for a really long time, and it doesn't make a lot of sense, and it, and it's kind of my thing, and, and other people maybe even think it's a little weird, uh, and, you know, and I know that those of us who are part of this community, we tend to do things that are weird. Uh, weird is a very subjective term. <laughs> no, they're weird. Okay. 
The things I do are weird. I'm okay with it, though. <laughs> but I know it's not normal. And uh, I'm okay with that. Uh, but maybe those things, and you're, you're, you're thinking to yourself, no, I'm not allowed to do that. I'm not, I should not do that. And just like you said earlier, doing things because you should is probably not the best driver. Well, doing things because you, not doing things because you should not, assuming they're not sinful, also not the best way to decide what you do in your life. You know, God, God is gracious. He gave us freedom. And for us to say, I'm not going to stick around in Hobbiton. I'm going to go on my adventure. Whatever that might happen to be, even if it's just is an adventure out to the, work, the workshop. You know? Uh, that's... It's a new year, man. We can do new things. And everybody expects it. That's great! Yeah, there, there's, something, there's something about the, the new year. There's a reason why we celebrate it. There's, there's no... And, there's no real significance other than the fact that it's a new year. You get to, to kind of start fresh and to, to kind of look at what went well and what went poorly and kind of evaluate and, and move forward knowing what you've learned from the year before. And so it's a time when, you know, if you're looking at your existence and saying, you know, this is something that I really need to change. I'm, I'm a big fan of, of enacting life change in, in what you're doing. I'm a big fan of identifying an issue in your existence and saying, I'm going to do what I can to fix that. Because it's it's a silly person who just kind of sits back and says, you know, I'm going to let God take care of it. Not because I embrace the whole God helps those who help themselves nonsense. Uh, it, but it's more of the idea that God oftentimes puts within us the idea that this needs to happen and then walks with us as we go through it. There are times when God will, you know, I, I say that for me and my journey towards going into ministry, I, I often joke that I got, I, you know, God kicked my butt with the love of Jesus. And sometimes he does that. But a lot of times what he does is he kind of says, says, this is how I've designed you. This is how I've made you. This is how I have, have formed you. And if I, I will walk with you as you do this, but you know I'm going to push you towards making that change. Right. We are still followers. Right. You know I I've been a believer for 20 years. I'm still a follower. Now it's possible that on that road we are traveling with God, that this year is going to be a straight year. The road's just going to keep on going exactly how it's been going. But I doubt it. Because <laughs> I haven't had very many straight years. Uh, they do happen, but they're they, they not do, many. They do. Uh, but but I think that those of us who've been a believer for a longer amount of time tend to want straight years. We just kind of decide we're going to do the same things. We're just not going to worry about following. We're just going to just keep going the direction that we're going and assume that maybe the road might curve a little bit, but it's going off in that general direction. And, uh, you know, that's not being a follower. Even even if you've been a believer for a long time, and maybe people who are listening 
or just new being a believer, and that's great. You're probably really good at following God. Those of us who have been believers for a while maybe aren't so much. And, uh, you know, it's definitely the time of year when you decide, am I going to follow God next year? Am I going to follow God tomorrow? And, you know, our challenge to you guys out there as you're listening is as we approach this new year, and, and if when you're, uh, this episode drops, the new year will have already been, become upon us. Uh, take some time to, to give yourself honest reflection, not just on the superficial level, not just uh, I need to do resolution A because it, it's expected of me that it, it would be a really good idea, but to really give yourself some honest introspection to to see where your relationship with God is, to see where your relationship with family and friends are, to see, you know, maybe you wonder if, you know, you start asking questions like, maybe the reason I, I haven't really been evangelizing and telling people about God is because I've been, you know, my faith has been really shaken or I need to work on it to become more confident in who God is. Uh, maybe you take some time and, and wonder about, you know, you do so much stuff for God, maybe you need to take some time out and to remember that you need to do stuff with your family because, you know, that's a primary responsibility about what it means to follow God is to take care of your family. So much of the the passage is about what it means to be a leader as far as, as ministry and, and church is concerned. One of the, across the board, one of the requirements is that you take care of your family. Um... There's lots of ways that, that we can kind of put out there, and there's lots of stuff. We can throw out lists of this is a good way to be a good Christian, good follower of Jesus in this coming year. But really, that's not what we're about. There are lots of podcasts and lots of books that will be written about that this you know in the next coming months. We're all about the fact that, you know, a lot of times we just keep pushing forward, looking at the newest cool thing. Uh, looking for the new shiny, looking for the new gadget, looking for the new this, that, or the other thing, and we put our hope in that, and we realize that, you know, we need to take some time to wonder, to look back, to take a time out, take a breath, and say, why do I look at the things I do? To evaluate, is this just some geeky fandom that I have for no good reason, or is this something that really impacts my life, and why does it impact my life? Because there's there's an idea, just, you know, we often kind of make the, the correlation between geek and God. And I've seen a lot of fandom that really has no basis on anything other than it is what it is. And that's fine. And it'll be the same reaction I give to you if, if your relationship with Jesus is, he gives me the warm fuzzies. Like, I'm like, that's fine. That's great that you have that relationship with that thing. But we, all, we can also take that moment to ask, whether it's our geek or our God connection, why do we care? How does this impact me? Is that impact being positive or is it negative? Obviously with God, it's, it should be positive because if it's not positive, then you really need to investigate what you're thinking about God because you're thinking it wrong. If, it, if it's giving you a negative, if you, if you have that, that God weight on you, you're doing it wrong because God is there to, to take that weight off. No, I think uh, hopefully everybody is doing that this year. You are doing some reflection. You're looking back on last year. You're looking forward at the year ahead. 
Uh, and you can know. I mean, we say it every episode, and you can know that no matter how last year went, God's still guiding you next year. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what this show's all about. And, uh, Mike, how can folks uh, find out a little bit about you, uh, stay connected with you in the new year? Uh, the big ways to do it are through our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash Profits. I put up stuff on there constantly. Um, I am also going to be found on Twitter at Shadow of Cyrano. That's uh, C-Y-R-A-N-O for those of you who need to read the play. Uh, I highly encourage that. <laughs> uh, I... Cyrano's the easy part. It's just the Debergerac that's a little bit harder. Oh, I can't even... I, I have to look up Debergerac, and I, it's my favorite play ever written. But, um... No, I, uh... Yeah, the Perception Check, perception-check.com. Uh, you can... It's mostly just random thoughts and stuff that I have that that's related to what we do on the show. In fact, I often reference episodes... But at the same point, it either doesn't necessarily have a place on the show, or the medium doesn't work, or whatever. Like all the the overflow from this site kind of goes on there. Uh, Luke, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, you can go to LukeNavarro.com. Uh, that is the place where I put all goodness on the internet. Um, and I, I I did it, Mike. You you convinced me. <laughs> You and my wife and everybody else I know to go ahead and get started on Pinterest. And uh, it really so is no... fun. I'm not gonna lie. There's a reason you I know, came up with the I, GSP. I don't hate it. How about that? I don't hate it. It's not bad. And after the whole like, I didn't like the registration thing. That I, I was not happy about the whole like first day or two with Pinterest. Understandable. Um, because if you've never been on they ask you to they give you just this random selection of photos and like pick the ones you like okay so i picked the ones i liked and ended up following a bunch of people and a bunch of things that i really wasn't all that interested in once you get through that though once i got through that it's like hey look this is a whole page full of stuff i like awesome (laughs) and uh so i'm luke navarro there as well and um you know as uh, Mike has said, but uh, I want to remind you again that we do have the website GameStoreProfits.com, Gmail at GameStoreProfits.com as well. And uh, I'm really excited by the number of people going to the website, which is it's amazing to me because we put almost nothing on the website. Now we basically put up the episodes. The, web, the website is just a, a place to host the files for the show, and so, you know, man, I am so thrilled by how many people over this last year, uh, just looking at the numbers from the last year, uh, uh, and so excited about how many people are here who are listening to the show, who uh, are involved, whether you're just a listener, or whether you're posting on the Facebook page, whether you're sharing your your experience with Game Store Profits with other people, um, and that is so exciting to us. Well, it, it makes it worthwhile. I also want to point out, you know, we talk about about data, and I just put it up on the, the, the Facebook page as well. Um, we've only been doing this for a limited amount of time, so as far as data is concerned, it's not a huge sampling. But I know for a fact, because people have contacted me, that there are people listening to us who specifically listen to us now because we got on the Stitcher radio app 
And I cannot be happier about that. And, and I'm going to see if about maybe finding other ways that we can connect with people, uh, other different outlets for stuff like that. And if you guys know of anything like that, if there's some kind of, because uh, part of the reason I got on Stitcher is because uh, a friend of mine actually looked at me and he has now since become a listener, but a friend of mine looked at me and said, your podcast is awesome, but the way I listen to podcasts is on my phone while I'm working you need to get on that so I don't have to download hours and hours of audio. And so that's why we're on Stitcher. So if there's something that you guys use or something that you, you say, I would totally listen to this more or my friend would totally listen to this more if you guys, let us know because we enact stuff when, when people tell us things like that. We we want to put stuff out there. We want to, to get where we can get the most people listening to what we have to say because you know luke and i we we joke about the whole calling thing but yeah i mean we do this because we think that this is something that, that god has has put in us to to connect with other people we're all about getting the community together and we want to see that happen so please let us know uh i'm really looking forward to this new year and seeing what god's going to do through game store profits because looking back and I know we're we're kind of going long, which we've been doing a lot lately. But um, I'm really excited about the stuff that we've we've made some really cool connections this past year. We we've talked to authors, we've talked to guys, we talked to uh, Mikey over at Game Church. Uh, we've been slowly but surely making some connections with uh, Derek White, also known as the Geek Preacher, like guys who are out there doing awesome stuff for God in the geek community are talking to us and making connections. And I'm so excited to, to see that happen. I'm really excited to see what God's going to do in this next year. Very cool. And, you know, I hope that you guys are excited about what God is going to do in your life. As you look back at last year, you know, maybe it was a great year. Maybe you critted, but maybe you rolled a one. <laughs> Critical failure. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, but whatever happened last year, uh, no matter how the dice fell, remember that God is the Game Master, and the game plays on.